Hi, I'm Ben Goodfriend, and welcome to episode two of Bear With Me. Today we hear from Landon alumnus and filmmaker Brandon Merrill. I hope you enjoy. So yeah, let's let's just start off, and I would love to hear first about about your experience at Landon and, and sort of your journey as a filmmaker and as a creator and when that started, if it began in high school or if it sort of uh, took afterwards. Well, that's funny because they are sort of related. Um, at Landon, I grew up in Washington, D.C. I grew up in the district and I started going to Landon in fourth grade. Uh, along with three other kids from my elementary school, which was Beauvoir by the National Cathedral. And when I got there, of course, things were very different uh, in the land of the White Rocks. Um, my fourth grade teacher was Mr. Fleming, and he was, I mean, he was great, uh, but uh, it was certainly a stern tack, which which uh, began to take place in fourth grade in terms of the teaching style. But through lower school and middle school, I just had a wonderful time. You know, Landon has such great teachers, um, you know, aside from Mr. Murray. <laughs> you know, I have lots of fantastic memories of, of being at Landon. When I was in high school is when I started dipping my toes into photography and art. Uh, I had always been kind of a drawer, painter, sketcher. But when I learned photography, I was completely hooked. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Zimmerman was my teacher and he was a wonderful, wonderful teacher. He encouraged everybody to try new things and kind of no wrong answers when it came to, uh, the art of photography. Um, of course he was always big on technique, but making sure that we also found ways to subvert photography in a way that made us feel like we were creatively expressing ourselves, which was super important. So when I was like 15, uh, I started to wear a hoodie over my blazer and that hoodie stank of stop bath and fixer and all the chemicals in the photography room. Cause I would spend hours and hours and hours down there. And it was really my love of photography, which I cultivated at Landon that led me into studying film in college and motion pictures specifically. Uh, I had always known that I wanted to get into a realm of graphic arts um, and I love photography. And so motion photography seemed like the next logical step. So I then went to the University of Miami where I studied film and studio art as a double major in their honors program. And it grew from there. After four years at Miami, I moved back to Washington, D.C., where I took a suit job. I was working in downtown you know, wearing a back to the tie and jacket again, ironically, <laughs> enough, I was wearing slacks. That was the one was the one gig that Landon's dress code really prepared me for. I saved up money while living at home with my folks for about a year. Uh, and then I picked up everything and moved out to California along with another uh, Landon alum who was one of my best friends there named Bo Williams. He moved up to San Francisco and I moved to Los Angeles after we did kind of a whirlwind drive across the country, crazy road trip, which was amazing. Um, if it hadn't been for that road trip being so good, I probably wouldn't have liked uh, moving across the country as much or been so ready to put roots down. And I can't believe it. It's been, oh my gosh, I think it's been 12 years since 2009 when I moved out to Los Angeles and I've been out here ever since. And so that, I would say that that's a pretty 
decent synopsis of the of how I came through Landon to to continue to do film. Um, these days, I'm working as a producer. I also work as an editor, uh, and you know, I've got several jobs that are booked up in in the film world. You're often on a gig. Uh, you're often booked up for a month or two months or three months at a time. And I'm also getting married this year. So it's oh, congratulations. A, uh, thank you. I'm getting married in July. So it's uh, it's great to have security in terms of your job. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much booked up for the rest of the year. So in the month of July, when we're going to get married and we're going to go to Costa Rica for a honeymoon, it's always good to know that when you're not a salaried employee, it's always good to know that your dance card is full, so to speak, uh, to, you know, and that gives me a lot more, uh, it just will allow me to focus on all of the problems that I'm sure will arise from the, the wedding and then the administration thereof. And it'll allow me to focus on that. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this year. Things are going pretty well. Um, and I'm looking at your your IMDb. You have really a, a multi-hyphenate career. You've been a writer. You've been an actor. Um, you've, <laughs> as you mentioned, <laughs> you've been an editor. Um, can Can you tell me about that a little bit? You know, bouncing around from from different roles within the industry. Obviously, they're all interconnected. Um, and as a in, in the style of guerrilla filmmaking, it's definitely necessary to wear multiple hats, but can you just tell me about, you know, the different roles that you've had? Sure. Uh, when I first came to Los Angeles, I wanted to be a cinematographer. Um, I loved having the camera in my hands. And when I was in college, I did my focus within film in cinematography. Uh, I wound up winning the, the cinematography award for my year, uh, for my class when I graduated. And so when I came out to LA, I was hot to trot. I'm going to be a DP, a director of photography. Um, and I learned very quickly <laughs> how much harder that is to do professionally than to, you know, to study it. Um, I did as many camera gigs as I could the first few years, which when you don't have your own camera is harder. Um, mm. uh, I then basically, I got a, about three years into my LA experience, I got a fantastic job working for Fox Searchlight. Uh, and I was working in their post-production division, which is what happens after production, which is as soon as you're done shooting the film, uh, you've got to edit it. You've got to put a score to it. You've got to do automated dialogue replacement. You've got a, a litany of things that come after the camera stops running. And I was helping their the president of post-production at Fox Searchlight. Um, and that, unfortunately, that didn't last too long. They let me go just a few months later. But um, it was really amazing to have that job. And it provided me with an incredible bird's eye view of the filmmaking process at just the highest level. Um, after I left that job, I was kind of dangling by a thread. I didn't really know what I was going to do because I just had this great administration job, which was a very office suit job. And I thought, you know, well, my career path is pushing me away from cinematography. And it also seems to be pushing me away from being corporate because I didn't, you know, there are parts of the job I really didn't like, even though I wanted to, 
to maintain it. Um, mm -hmm. That was a that was like the low point. I got I basically got let go from that amazing amazing job, and I just went, "What on earth am I going to do now?" It was the first time that I'd really been faced with failure uh, in a to a significant degree, and I decided to take advantage of an opportunity, which led me to China in the first place. Uh, a good friend of mine who was Italian, his name is Marco. Uh, he and I met playing soccer in Los Angeles. Um, though he and I became really good friends, and he asked me one day if I'd like to move to China after he had moved there to run the family business, which is an Italian business manufacturing Catholic religious goods and tchotchkes from China. Wow. Uh, and I thought, wow, this is bizarre. Why the hell not? Um, this is going to be great. So I moved to this small manufacturing city in rural China, about five hours from Shanghai. And I lived there for about six months at first. Um, and I was living with two Italians. It was it was an amazing summer. Um, it was incredible. I saw things that I'd never see. I wound up becoming ingratiated in this community of expats from all different places in the world, from Australia and the Middle East and Europe and Russia and Africa. And you meet this cadre of people who have found themselves in China and they're all basically chasing a dream. They're chasing the the almighty dollar trying to to set up a business there. And it was just wild. It was an amazing experience. And while I was living there, I started to write a screenplay um, based on some of the things that I saw happening in China and some of the stories of, uh, of expats including a story that was fascinating to me of Westerners, white people, who would be hired by Chinese companies to represent them, uh, basically as models. But it's not like a model in a commercial or a photo shoot. You're a model in their actual office. And you mm. will go in there and pretend to be an executive. You'll pretend to be a Western, a foreign business partner. And when that happens... Other Chinese investors are attracted because if you're a business and you have foreign investment, it gives an air of legitimacy, gravitas, international connections and wealth. So that is all positive. So people started faking being international businessmen and, and women and and doing all kinds of strange jobs where it's performative. You know, you're not actually doing any of that work uh and i was blown away at this because there's in china it's very similar to the united states where saving face is everything um and what image you put forward to society is how people judge you and how your value and worth are evaluated um mm. and you know saving face and putting the best foot forward there is everything um you know the worst thing in china is getting caught producing a fake which is the greatest irony uh and <laughs> and so uh after living there for a while i moved back to the united states and i wrote the screenplay and a friend of mine ethan landry who turned out to be the lead actor and he's he's a friend of mine from college and a, a very good creative partner to have um, he and I crafted a story, which I then uh, decided to raise a raise some money for. I did a Kickstarter, 
uh, God, it was so long ago. And we raised about 17 grand. And initially that $17,000 was meant to be for a short film. But when the campaign was successful, when the Kickstarter was successful, we decided, all right, we're going to take a moonshot. And we adapted the screenplay from a short film to a feature. Uh, I did two more scouting trips back to China to hire crew and to location scout. And then at the end of 2013, uh, I took Ethan and a cinematographer named Adam Saveri over to China to meet up with the rest of our all Chinese crew and shoot a feature film, which turned out to be an incredible adventure. Uh, turns out the adventure was kind of short-sighted because uh, I spent all of the money that I had for production in production and I didn't save any for post-production, which is, mm. oh, oh, oh. It's, a, it's a quintessential newbie mistake. Um, but that, you know, that basically dragged out the post-production process where it was entirely self-funded. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm scraping by, I'm trying to, to do odd jobs here and there to support myself in LA while at the same time, uh, you know, hiring and paying these people to, to edit and to color correct the film. And, you know, the, the process was really hard. Uh, that was a slog. It was slow. It was arduous. It was painful. There was one point where we had a cut of the film that was like 50 minutes long. Uh, and, you know, we had tried to work the story to the point where it was good. And it wasn't. It sucked. It was, it was a piece of crap. Um, and, you know, this was around 2017. And I'd already been working on this thing for three years, four years. And I'm kind of sitting there wondering, you know, what the next direction was. Uh, and right. it, took, it took a hard swallow to realize nobody's going to put this up on any platform or want to see it at the length that it is either you cut it down into a short film or you rewrite and you re-edit and you shoot more and you make it into a feature. And that turned out to be the decision, uh, which was extremely hard. Um, at that point, there were people who had been on the film with me since the word go who had to say, I can't work on this anymore. I can't be a part of this project anymore, which was really, really depressing uh you know it, it, there were parts of me that felt abandoned and isolated and like i was you know fighting this battle on my own which i was um and as soon as i kind of realized that i had been fighting this battle on my own the entire time you know it was my dumb idea to to make a movie and go to China <laughs> do all this stuff um so i decided to see it through and uh, I re rewrote several sections of the film. I wrote several new scenes. We wound up shooting a couple of new scenes here in California. Uh, one, one of which was in Chinatown, which we passed off as China. Uh, and one of which was actually set in the United States. So luckily we didn't have to do much dressing up for that. But uh, re-edited the entire film. Uh, got it to a point where it's now 75 minutes long. And... Turns out it's in a much better place. Uh, finished it in in really 2019, uh, but trying to get it out during the pandemic was quite a schlep. 
mm-hmm. so during 2020, we I really just submitted to a bunch of festivals, which basically started to pay off in January uh, or late late in 2020. In December was our first festival. It was in England called the Lonely Wolf London International Film Festival. And it's a small festival. Nobody's heard of it. But uh, we were lucky enough to win several awards there, including Best Original Concept and the Audience Award for the Most Watched Film. So that was a great, it was a great way to kind of start a campaign of different festivals that the film was lucky enough to be admitted to, uh, which is still going. We actually have been admitted to the we played Vancouver Independent Film Festival. We played a festival in Paris called Beyond the Curve. Uh, we even played one, um, we're about to play one in New York called the New York Independent Cinema Awards, which is an online festival. Uh, of course, all festivals were really online this year. So it's been, right. uh, it's been a little bit of uh, anticlimax. You know, you're normally finishing a film you get it into a festival and you go with some of the people who are in it to the festival and you see the film on the big screen and, you know, a few people clap. Uh, but you feel good afterwards and you go to the bar and you have a cast party or a rap party and you can say, we did it. And that moment never really happened on this film because of COVID, which is one of my, I mean, it's not a regret because there's nothing I can do about it, but it's one of the things that I really wished that the crew had the chance to do, which is kind of whoop it up and celebrate. But I think that that actually may be happening anyway at my wedding this summer, because uh, I'm not sure if you know, but the film did receive a distribution deal uh, recently. We are going to be released by a company called Freestyle Digital Media. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Uh, They're owned by a company called Entertainment One. And Made in China will be released on July 20th. It'll be available to rent on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube Movies, DirecTV, Ubiquity, which is Verizon Fios, plus Xbox, Fandango Now, Vudu, Hoopla, and a few more. What we're really trying to do is push people towards one or two platforms in particular, which will maximize the film's potential. If we can get a whole bunch of people to watch it on a specific platform like iTunes or Amazon on the first day, It'll help move the film higher in the queues to be watched by people signing on to see a movie. This is what we really want to do. We are going to do a, a media run-up to the film's release in July, and hopefully in July and August we'll get as many people to watch and rent and buy the film as possible and share it around. Uh, one of the, the tough things about our film when it comes to trying to market it is that what usually gets people to watch a film is a popular actor or actress. And there's an old axiom in film called asses in seats puts asses in seats, meaning that you can't really have buzz. You can't create buzz without there being buzz beforehand. Uh, And so when you're making an independent film that's low budget, uh, you've got to have a star or some kind of name power to move it. And we don't have any of that we we are we are the smallest most inconspicuous indie film and so you know i'm just very happy that the people at this company thought that because there's a revenue sharing agreement it's not like uh it's not like they're doing it for free you know they're putting it up because they believe they can make some money off of it which is fantastic uh i don't really as a as a first film as a director 
I don't expect to make any real money off of this. Uh, I've produced several other feature films in the the meantime since I started making Made in China, which is hilarious. Uh, I must have finished four other, five other films that are features in the, since I started Made in China, and each one is bigger and has more star power and a larger budget. So, but this is your baby. This is. This is my baby, and it's hopefully my first. I'm hoping it's not my directorial swan song. That would be tough, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been a great experience learning as you go through it, and basically taking what you know from that, and then applying applying it to other parts of your life is really the gift that that project has been for me. It's, and I'm very excited now to be on the other side of it uh, and be. I've got some really exciting other projects coming up uh, in terms of films. Uh, I've also got a book, my first novel that I'm planning on finishing this year, which I'm really excited about. Uh, so hopefully this project will be opening up some doors for me in the future. And I just cannot wait until I'm finished with delivery. And delivery is the process of once you've finished your film and somebody has agreed to distribute it, getting them all of the materials and that's the the process that we are basically wrapping up now where they have all of the files they've got all of the technical information so that they can put it up once they re received everything and once we're quote unquote fully delivered that's when i am going to have a very large cocktail uh <laughs> to celebrate um and enjoy it because it's been a it's been a really long process but uh, i wouldn't change a minute of it even though Anybody in their right mind probably would have changed most of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change a minute of it because of you know life is not just about the finished product. Life is about discovering how you get somewhere. It's a very cliche saying. You know, life is not about the destination; it's about the journey. And you can make fun of that all you want, but you won't enjoy the destination if you don't enjoy the journey uh, or if you don't experience the journey firsthand. If you're phoning it in or if you're, I don't know, you're sliding by, you're resting on laurels, you're never going to change as a person. You're never going to discover new parts of yourself. You're never going to see the world as it really is. You're only going to see it through your own eyes. And what the greatest benefit of this entire filmmaking journey is how my perspective has changed during the course of it because I think it's made me, uh, I, you know, maybe not a better person, but hopefully a more understanding, compassionate, uh, and and reasonable person and loving person because that's what's important in life. Life is not about making a lot of money. Uh, life is about making a lot of memories that you wouldn't trade for anything because those are so much more valuable than money, uh, and that comes from living the human experience, making friends who you wouldn't normally make, getting lost, you know, screwing up and getting your and getting yourself up, uh, picking yourself back up. That was the best part. The, the resilience that this journey taught me and the, the memories and the friends that I made along the way are the true benefits. You know, my, my professional career will change and I will do larger projects, but nothing will ever change those memories that, uh, that I made and I wouldn't trade them for the world. So, wow. That's, that's beautiful. 
Um, it has been it has been a pleasure talking, getting to know you a little bit. Is there anything else that you that you would want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, for all of the interested Landon uh, students and alums who want to get into the creative arts, don't be shy. You know, don't be afraid. Sure, it's a risk and sure nothing is certain when you get into a career that is as volatile as creating art, but uh, there's nothing I'd rather do. And the, the journey that I've been on, starting with photography and the Landon Theater Program, I mean, God, let's not talk about, we don't need to talk about that, <laughs> about the <laughs> full musical. But, uh, but I would just say to the dreamers there, don't be shy about at least trying your hand in the creative arts. And if anybody, you know, anybody in the landing community ever needs a leg up or a friend in Los Angeles, tell them to give me a call. Be more than happy to to help out with with advice or anything I can do. California is great. The world is larger than Bethesda, Maryland. Even though Bethesda is great, it's a it's a lovely place, and DC is the city that I'm from, and I grew up there, and I love it. But the world is so much bigger, and the more you get out there, the more you realize how small the world we all started in actually is. What a tiny, idyllic little bubble it is at the land of the white rocks. And I would advise people just to get out there, go do something you've never done before mix it up, meet people you don't know, travel, because there's going to come a time where you can't do that. I mean, this, this pandemic has put everything on hold and uh, you've got to take advantage of, of opportunities for adventure when you can, because as we get older, those opportunities and windows close, you know, you're going to get married, you're going to have kids if you want, uh, and you're going to get busy doing your adult stuff. So take the time when you're young to do stupid things and to have fun and to make memories because it'll be over before you know it. I'm ready. I'm ready after hearing that. <laughs> um, all right, Brendan, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and have a good day. You do the same. Thank you so much for having me on Ben and uh, go bears. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.